this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Follow the marquee and come to the Monday matinee. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. ever stop to think about what you do, Silas? I mean, I'm pretty sure thou shalt not kill is a primary commandment. There are cases when it is justified. Is that what you tell yourself? Well, you better be right. Otherwise, the day will come when you'll end up in my domain, and there will be an eternity to pay for what you've done. I will gladly submit myself to my fate. Once I free humanity from those monsters, even you can't control them. Very presumptuous of you, Silas. But I would expect nothing less from a man who has convinced himself he alone can save humanity. You know I am close, Beals. That's why you stay out of the way. With the monsters gone, you will be free to reshape mankind through your warped lens of rampant sin. At least, that is what you want. But you and I both know what is really coming. Don't assume anything, you worm. You are not on my level. And you cannot have my soul. I belong to God, the Redeemer. So stop trying to get into my head. I'm so far into your head, I can choke you from within! New Kingdom Radio Theater New Kingdom Radio Theater presents The Rise of King Asylus Brought to you by the J.D. Micah Publishing Company, publishers of the novel The Rise of King Osiris, due for release in fall 2018. Visit www.theriseofkingosiris.com for information and updates on the publication of this much-anticipated book. King Osiris and Lords Oreb and Shelley initiated their plans to take over Canada by diverting attention to the South Atlantic Sea. And just as they predicted, Britain and France sent their navy fleets to the Falkland Islands for a showdown with America. 
but before they ever reached the Falklands, China's navy engaged them in aggressive maneuvers to provoke the British Royal Navy into launching a strike. All sides resisted the temptation of using nuclear weapons on each other. But ships and submarines armed with nukes were loaded, and commanders had their fingers on the button, waiting for the order to fire. Fortunately, no one used nuclear weapons on that day. It was fought like Navy battles had traditionally been fought, with fighter planes, missiles and torpedoes. Soon, America's Brazilian and Argentinian destroyers and corvettes had surrounded the British and French ships, and a ceasefire was agreed upon after the sinking of several Royal Navy warships. The British Prime Minister made one last attempt to end the conflict in a heated exchange with the Silas over a teleconference. Silas responded by placing the British ambassador under arrest and streamed a live feed to the Prime Minister. Asylas held a gun to the ambassador's head and told him if he did not give the order to retreat his Royal Navy fleet at the count of three, he would shoot the ambassador. The king started his count. One, two. And before saying three, the Prime Minister told King Silas to wait. He would give the order to retreat. There was a moment of silence. The Prime Minister had not given the order fast enough to the King's satisfaction. And then, to everyone's horror, Asilas shot the ambassador at point-blank range. Your Majesty, assassinating Britain's ambassador bought us enough time to prepare our Spartans for the Canadian invasion. So far, our plan is working beautifully. The Brits are extremely angry, sir. The Royal Navy fleet has fully engaged the Chinese, Argentinian, and Brazilian forces. They want blood. Sir, should we begin our move on the Canadian Prime Minister? As you've commanded, we have not given the Canadians anything to retaliate for just yet. But you must know, they are very anxious, especially now with the British forces in full attack mode down in the South Atlantic. I think they know we are coming, and very soon. They are being cautious, for sure. They won't take any chances. But we knew this already. I think the Canadian Prime Minister and his top government officials will be heading to their war bunker any minute now if they haven't already relocated their command center. Sir, perhaps we should bring in Gabriel to assist with this plan. We could use his teleportation device to get our Spartans behind enemy lines without being detected. Lord Shelley is right, sir. 
If the Canadians think we are sending our Spartans across their borders, it's likely they may retaliate with immense force. They may even try to launch a nuclear strike against us. I am aware of this, though am unsure if Gabriel can even transport them. But even if Gabriel can transport our Spartans into position, we still need all of our contingency plans in place to deal with the repercussions of what we are about to do. The Canadians have likely been planning for a hostile attack from us for some time now. And even once we take out their government, they most definitely have contingency plans of their own with people in place to launch nukes at us. Maybe even remotely. We have to be very careful here. What is still a little unclear to me is how do the people know to destroy the bad politicians? I can answer that, Lord Shelley. What people don't know is that most politicians at the highest level of government take an oath of allegiance to the nefarious monster group. They are essentially saneness. And for some reason, which we still do not fully understand, when the fog is lifted on people, they instinctively have a bloodthirst that can only be quenched by destroying evil, specifically saneness. I suppose this is why someone long ago put people in a fog in the first place. You know we cannot make any mistakes. This is a highly sensitive and potentially catastrophic mission if anything goes wrong. Ready all of our ground troops, special ops, and air force, Lord Orb, and get the Spartans ready. Have the doctors implant them with the atomic bombs and go over the details of the mission with the Spartans Abigail, Wilson, and Smith. Initiate the Trishel as soon as possible. We'll strike within 48 hours of the fog lift. Sir, will you be seeing Abigail before she heads off for this mission? I will see her before she gets the atomic implants. Then I will contact Gabriel when the Spartans are ready. Dismissed. Gabriel, what are you doing here? How did you know? Silas, when will you learn? Your tricks only work once. <sighs> it's clear you want something, Gabriel. Looks like we both do. You first. What do you know of the Drax? I'll take the look on your face as a lot. <laughs> Excellent. What do you know about the Drax? Not as much as I'd like to. They have advanced knowledge of extra-dimensional and or temporal travel and are based somewhere cold. Otherwise, I have no clue. They abducted me using my technology and wiped the logs, so I have no idea where I went. Whatever they are, they're dangerous. I'm beginning to believe you when you say the world is controlled by forces outside of humanity. Sit down, Gabriel. You promised to help me, and I'll tell you everything I know. All right, Asylus. Let's start with your needs. What do you need me for? I need to know if you can use your teleportation device to position three Spartans across the Canadian border. Asylus, perhaps you don't fully understand how these things work. And besides, I told you all of this when you, um, interrogated me. I thought my explanation was rather thorough. You said the device was inside your body. You never said it could be used externally. Oh, you caught that. Very well, King. It is possible to teleport others, but they have to be holding on to me. Like in a bear hug. Sounds uncomfortable. Well, whatever it takes, I need you to do this. Do you mind going over the details of the plan? 
Perhaps I can add some insights you've overlooked. I was getting to that. It involves your old friend Zenf, the Spartan Captain Abigail. She will gain access to the secret bunker where the Prime Minister is hiding. And how exactly will she manage that? My teleportation device has limitations. She is a shapeshifter and chameleon. Abigail will change her appearance to that of Xanth. Two other Spartans will be accompanying her posing as bodyguards. Clever man. Risky, but nonetheless, this should get her inside. That is unless the Prime Minister also has his wife and family in the bunker as well. He may want to avoid any kind of drama. Xanth is his secretary. One of the bodyguards will be posing as her husband to deter any suspicion. Very well, Silas. Take me to see this Abigail so I can make sure her appearance is precisely like that of Xanth. But let's be quick. I'm struck with a unique and pressing problem. Speaking of which... Ah, yes. The Drax. <laughs> Better get comfortable. It's a long story. I've been thinking a lot about what we are about to do. And even though the kingdom is on edge, I believe everyone is behind you. You've done an excellent job conveying to the people we are on the right side of things. You and Capone complement each other quite well, and Americans throughout the kingdom are accepting us. But you and Capone should really brush up on your Spanish. <laughs> and Portuguese and French as well. Asylus, do you really think we can pull this whole thing off? You know, ruling the world? I mean, maybe we should slow down a little. Even Capone thinks we're moving a little too fast. We need to get all of South America in order. And we're in the middle of a war with England, for heaven's sake. Get a grip, Joshua. We can't stop or rest or take a breather. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of active plots against us right now from countries all over the world. What we need to do is prepare ourselves, our citizens, and our armies for World War III. Asylus, no one is doubting your leadership. If you send us into battle, then we will fight to win, not just defend. But it's the nukes. Aren't you at least a little concerned when they start launching nuclear missiles at us? I don't mean to sound alarmed, but to ignore the nervous part of our kingdom would be a mistake. The people want assurances there won't be any nukes. Of course, no one wants nuclear bombs to blow up on our soil. So you and Capone do your jobs and continue to convince the population there will be no nukes headed our way. What will we do when they do come? And they will, you know that. Joshua, think back to when you were president. The idea of a nuclear attack always weighed on you. I remember it quite well. And if I remember correctly, you were ready to actually drop some on our own states against the separatists at the end of the Civil War. I had to talk you out of it. But I suppose your memory lapses at times. You were ready to push the button, as they say. Tell me you remember. <laughs> wow, Asylus. It was a different time. A crazy moment in our history. I felt it was the only way to get the states to the table with you. And it worked, didn't it? Well, sure. My father once told me, the only way to be safe from a snake is to always keep your foot on its throat. Hmm. But I don't think this is quite the same thing, Silas. 
No, you're right, it isn't. Instead, I will keep my hand around its throat and look into its eyes as I squeeze the life out of it. nervous, are you? No, not really. Are you? A little, but not about war or battles or even what others are trying to do. Well, what is it then? I came to see you before you head off with Gabriel and the other Spartans to Canada. You went over the plan with everyone, right? Yes, don't worry, Silas. Everything will be fine. What's really bothering you? I, I just had to see you before you left, that's all. Is something bad going to happen to me? And will you really let something bad happen to me? What are you saying? You think I would let something bad happen to you? Well, I had a dream the other night. It felt so real. It, it was Nabal. He was standing in front of me, just like you are right now. And he said... Well, what did he say? It was just a dream. It was nothing. It wasn't even real, so don't worry about it. It was just a dream. Not even real, as you say. Anyway, I just wanted to see you and wish you good luck. Asylas, there's no such thing as luck. No such thing as a wish, either. I only need to have a plan, and I can make anything happen, okay? Don't worry about anything. We'll get the Prime Minister. I will even shoot him between the eyes. Just the way you want me to. And I will be smiling when I do it. Good. Just one last thing before I go. I want you to take this paper with you. It's a short poem I wrote for you on one side. And on the other side is a Bible verse. You are a genius. You made sure the Bible verse and the poem are exactly on opposite sides of the paper. Because you knew I want to tear the Bible verse off and throw it away. I know you don't care for it, but I will pray for you. And since I know you will not bother to read the verse... I will save these lines from Romans 838-39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Rest now, my child, for soon you will leave. Let's not say goodbye, okay? Don't say anything. Just give me your hand. You are my king, my father, and I love you, always. Remember this moment. Your princess will do what she has to do for humanity.
Sir, you've been sitting there for a while and have not said a word. Would you like to nap now? Perhaps I can dim the lights a little and put some soft music on for you to relax? I can't relax, Dr. Ezekiel. I can't sleep either. My mind just keeps racing and thinking. Well, sir, if you are thinking about the impending war, I can only suggest to you to pause these thoughts and let your emotions out. I get the sense something very personal is troubling you. Is it Abigail? Doctor, I know you think Abigail is trouble. You have always thought the worst of her. Everyone has. And it's because you think I'm obsessed with her in some perverted way, but my feelings for Abigail have never been anything but a joyous love, like that of a father for his kids. Is Abigail your daughter, sir? Careful, Dr. Ezekiel. I have killed men for knowing far less than that. Sir, I've had my suspicions, to be honest. But I also refrain from saying anything negative to you about her because of this suspicion. Negative? What's negative about Abigail? Well, Your Majesty, I interpreted some of your dreams of her to mean she poses a danger to you and the kingdom. Perhaps there is more to her than anyone realizes. In my humble opinion, she poses a danger to you because she will tarnish your image. And you really cannot afford that, Your Majesty. We need you to stay untarnished for humanity's sake. But I think you know this already. And you will do the right thing no matter how much it hurts. Just know I am here for you always, sir. I will listen to you. You can say what you feel and cry if you must. Nothing you say in this room will ever leave our space. This is your sanctuary. I, I know, and I thank you immensely for your ear, Doctor. Abigail will help save us all. And how exactly will she save us all, sir? Is she divine? Does she possess some supernatural abilities? Or is she anointed to be a savior? No, she is none of those things. Doctor, I, I have to resolve this dichotomy, this inseparable aspect of Abigail and the dark side of who she is. To be honest, I try to see her playfulness, her innocence and ambitions as positives, and her reluctance to accept God into her heart as a negative. She is who she is, and there's nothing I could say to change her beliefs. So I meditate whenever I can and pray every chance I get for her to be enlightened by the Spirit. And in a vision, it came to me. And now, I accept everything. A vision, sir. What was your vision? The Ouroboros. A serpent eating its own tail. America used the naval ships and submarines of Brazil, Argentina, Chile and Peru along with the Chinese Navy to battle the British and French in the South Atlantic Ocean. But the Royal Navy was not a full force. Upon learning this, the Chinese notified Asilas, the Brits and the European Alliance were likely planning an alternate strike in response to a takeover of Canada. 
Asylus knew this could only mean the Brits and European allies were going to war with America on multiple fronts. Lord Oreb was ordered to send the Spartans in much sooner into Canada than planned. They were confident the Spartans were healed up enough from their implants. Lord Anna Patricia Shelley was already launching her plan in Europe and deployed half of the Spartan force into various countries in Europe as the world braced for the initiation of World War III. Everyone was on high alert and the tension grew stronger by the minute as Silas was notified the British, Russians, Germans, Italians and others were prepping their nuclear arms for an inevitable strike against the new kingdom of America. In a solemn private meeting on the roof of the Grand Castle with Lords Capone, Samuel, Shelley and Jackson, King Silas looked into the eyes of the most trusted members of his High Council as they all held hands in a circle and said God was on their side. His exact words were, We stand beneath the stars, under the watchful eye of our God and Creator. We will do what no other people in recorded history has ever done. We are about to war with demons and monsters. And we will prevail. Because, as it was written in Leviticus, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Just as he has injured a man, so it shall be inflicted on him. Stay tuned after the credits for a special bonus scene. You will want to listen closely. You have been listening to The Rise of King Asylus, Episode 11, Hand to the Throat, starring J.V. Torres as King Asylus, Steve Fisher as Lord Oreb, Jeff Ellis as Dr. Ezekiel, Shane Maester as Lord Anna Patricia Shelley, Naomi Castillo as Abigail Sierra, Clarence Jackson as Lord Joshua Jackson, and narrated by Sergei Brezhnikov. This episode features the song Drop Off by Mawkor. Visit Mawkor at www.mawkor.com. That's www.mawcore.com. Other music contributions by Kevin Hartnell, Freesound.org, and Audio Jungle. For more information about the cast, the music, and this production, visit www.theriseofkingasilas.com. Listen on iTunes or wherever you tune into podcasts and give us a good rating. Like us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at King Asylus. We encourage everyone to tune into our friends on other podcasts like Empty, The Strangerlands, Jack Tracer, and our partners, The Everlasting Beholders. This has been a production of the New Kingdom Radio Theater in Baltimore, Maryland. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. 
and stay tuned for our season one finale, episode 12. You're saying you were a part of the rise to power of this species. And I'll be a part of their downfall. God is my witness. Asylus, if what you're saying is true, these creatures control much more than just the world. They don't. The realm they came from is dying. Their species used all of their resources and came to this realm to regain their power. There are a lot of better ways to save a species with the technology they possess. If they can jump universes the way they do, they have more than enough power to grow their own food. They do. You're right. And they've tried. However, their species is cursed. It's been generations since they've left their realm. They're now entirely dependent on something in this realm that they can't get in the other. What's stopping them from growing their food here? Nothing, Gabriel. Nothing is stopping them. In fact, Capone and I were instrumental in the use of humans as incubators for their stock of Drax-human hybrids, which they live off of. So they have the technology to switch universes at a whim, but lack the ability to clone viable food. This species is so backwards. Yes, they are. Earth is their corral. They've taken control of the moon and have set up some sort of special device to keep other creatures away. Look, Gabriel, the Drax are a highly advanced race, but that doesn't mean that they have the same common sense humans do. They aren't immortal, and they are obviously programmed by a different set of logic rules than humans are. Don't try to understand why they do what they do. They inherently cannot think like us. I don't understand what it is, but what they do is meant for aliens. I've explored everything in half a dozen Hubble spheres around Seoul. I promise you there's no aliens in this universe. Just humanity. Why haven't they expanded across it? I don't know, Gabriel. I was never high enough in the organization. Really? You sound pretty high up. I was, but it goes higher than that. The Drax are serfs of another race. Oh, here we go. It never ends, does it? Pay attention, Gabriel. If you're going to work with me, you need to know this. When did I say I'd work with you? You didn't think I'd give you all this information for free, did you? I'll tell you about them after you help me push the Drax out of this realm. (sighs) All right. I am curious. Here, take this phone. If what you're saying is true, these guys can intercept even our calls. This is my personal communicator. It's encrypted to hell and back. It'll only communicate with one other line, which I've left elsewhere. There's two messages on it. Who sent it? Uh, that's not important. My base is on the moon and it's been compromised, so I'm staying with a friend. I told him not to message me unless it's an emergency. Let me see. It looks like it's in some sort of code. I need to go. Be back within an hour. I need to mobilize my Spartans if this is going to work. Monday matinee on the Mutual Audio Network always means a potpourri of entertainment, drama, comedy, action. Whew, it really stimulates the mind, don't it? Well, a great way to get your mind back into neutral gear is to catch Bells in the Battery on Friday Follies and Sunday Showcase. Silliness is the best cure for mental stimulation. Bells in the Battery. Always odd, always family-friendly. If only I could convince my family to listen to it. (laughs) 